we are here to help our customers succeed. Mm -hmm. So we will do whatever it takes. And, and I say to our customers also that sometimes and often it means that we will we will help you, we will we will how should carry you and we will kick you. Okay. So so we, we, because we when we understand what success looks for you, uh, and when we understand it and we buy into it, then because we know the tech and the compliance and the landscape, then we will help you succeed. But it means that we will also tell you, you know, if something isn't going as we as we think it should be, because we've seen a different kind of companies. Yeah. So I would say that our customers actually think of us as partners. Hello, my name is Chris. I am head of content at Nordic Fintech Magazine. And today we're going to be talking about payments. Uh, we can often find two types of people, complainers and fixers. The payment space offers plenty of opportunities for the latter. And in today's episode, we meet a fixer who saw opportunities to enable good services to consumers much faster, much more cost efficiently and much more innovatively. We recently traveled to Finland to meet one-on-one -on -one with one of the co-founders who is also the co-CEO of Enfuse, a payment company that is turning the dial on payment experiences while seeking to solve global problems. Monika Likama is a seasoned banker with a fascinating background, both inside and outside of finance. This background has no doubt influenced her bold and no-nonsense attitude towards transforming the industry. In this interview, you'll learn how Enfuse has taken on the mission to fix payments with a deep understanding of technology, infrastructure, and an equally profound concern for sustainability. Learn how Enfuse's focus on transparency, dynamic scalability, and its approach to true and committed partnerships caters for companies with a banking license, as well as for customers who buy everything as a service, giving them the freedom to focus 100% on their user journey. Monica, uh, it's great to meet you. Thank you for having us here. Thank you for coming to this wonderful part of Finland. Yeah, we're very happy to be here. Um, let's just start a conversation. Tell us a little bit about, about who you are and what you do. Uh, well, yeah, I'll try to do the short version. That's what my co-founder Denise always said. Please, Monica, the short version. Yeah, so I'm 47 years young, mother of four, uh, been in the industry, payment industry for a very long time. So I'm actually originally a developer. Uh, born uh, in Sweden to Finnish parents and been living in Finland for yeah plus 20 years now okay. and uh, what I did is I've been building banks uh, and financial institutions for like 15 years now and uh, six years ago uh, decided to do something else meaning do payments better faster and globally scalable mm -hmm. and that was how Enfuse was born Right. Uh, tell me a little bit more about why you chose to focus on that particular problem. What was it about payments that drove you to say, I'm going to start a company that's going to tackle this problem? Yeah, well, um, back in 2006, uh, when I started my first company, uh, I left the telco industry and I had lived the dot-com boom and, boom and everything. And also the crash mm -hmm. when the bubble burst. And then I was like, now nah, I want to do something else. And then I became a consultant and had the good fortune to end up in one of the biggest retail chains in Finland, S Group, and build a bank for them. And uh, so I was part of the bank building phase. Uh, I was the test engineer, so I was responsible for making sure that everything works from an infrastructure side. And then uh, we did a successful launch, we did a successful migration, and then I was asked to become the CIO of the bank, mm -hmm. which I did. And that's kind of how I 
went into the payments and banking industry. But if I look at then, back in 2011-12, when I started hearing first about cloud, etc., I was like, yeah, stupid, nobody gonna use that, security aspect, etc. But I still was a bit tired of everything taking horrifically long time. Like, it, launching a new card product or, or something like that back two, three years ago, it took a couple of years and like massive amounts of money. And then I was like, how can this be so hard? Because it actually isn't, it's very, uh, it's very structured and, and very standardized because otherwise payment wouldn't work globally. And then when I had left S-Bank uh, to go to Crosskey Banking Solutions and build their card and mobile payments business and was ready there to start scaling, but the owners didn't, then I said, okay, I'll do it myself. Right. And that's what drove me. So I just wanted to do, to enable good services to us as people, whether we are consumers or corporates, but do it much faster, much more cost efficient and, and much more innovative. And, and that's how Enfuse was born. And of course global, because I, I don't like doing small stuff. Mm -hmm. I like doing big stuff. So I like, I like solving big problems. Right. And so, so would you say then that the key value proposition and key differentiators about Infuse is that it's simple, faster. Yes. Uh, yeah, and it's a turnkey service. So if we think about back in 2016 when the company was founded, we are actually the only cloud native issuer processor. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we were the one, first ones in the world to put it in a public cloud, not because it was cool or high, but that was the, the tool I needed to scale globally. So instead of running in data centers that were located in Finland or Nordics or whatever, I could actually have through AWS, and today you can have it through other as well, but we chose AWS back in the days because of, they've been in the business for 10 years, they had the security mindset and the global scalability. So, so that was the USP then, and what that enabled was faster time to market and cost efficiency. As an example, when I was the CIO of a bank, I needed to have, and, and S-Bank has three million customers, mm -hmm. and they, they use their cards. Some use them every day, many times a day, and some use them once a month or something like that. But what that means is like, I need to have an infrastructure that caters for everyone doing it the same time, right. which means that I need to pay for that. Mm -hmm. And back in those days, it took like a half a year to scale up the infrastructure right. because I needed to order hardware, I need to get it installed, I need to test it, etc. etc. And today it takes seconds. And I can scale in cloud mm -hmm. uh, depending on how we, because we, for example, we have one customer in the Middle East where they have a lot of customers and they use their cards twice a month. So what we do is we scale up the infrastructure at that point and then we, we, it auto scales down, which means that they can have a lot more money to build on their business instead of just having the capacity latent. Right. And that's mm -hmm. what cloud springs. Mm -hmm. But then of course, the competence that Enfuse has, and I, I used to laugh at this, especially in the, the early days when we were part of these accelerator programs and stuff, when people were like, hey, we, have, we are a, a team of five founders, we have, uh, five years of experience, and then like I took my founders like oh, shit 350 <laughs> years. Like uh, we might be old, but we know what we're doing. So taking that knowledge also, so, and that's why we today are a payment institution and e-money license holder ourselves, which means that we can cater for companies that have licenses themselves, like Playo, the mm -hmm. the 
one of our customers, the Danish unicorn, they are an issuer themselves. That means that they have the license to issue the cards and we do the infrastructure for them. Mm -hmm. But then we have customers like uh, the, the Swedish unicorn Rocker, that they buy everything as a service. Everything from the license to the fraud monitoring, dispute charge, so everything that is connected, which means that they can focus 100% on their, their own user journey. And then one day if they would like to become issuer themselves, like Playo, mm -hmm. then it's an easy track because, let's say, the, the infrastructure is the, the heavy lifting, yeah. but the licenses are the, the legal compliance framework. But yeah. we, we are born out of compliance, we're Finns. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, we love compliance because <laughs> it, it keeps the competitors out. And, we, we, and the, the reason why I believe Finns are the happiest country and nation in the world is because we like like when it's hard so so, uh, so I think th those are the USPs that we have that we can really take you we are we are what you need today but also when you grow so if you want to grow into multiple countries other geographies mm -hmm. we can already process globally but we can also make sure that you have the licenses you need to operate your business uh, locally Right. Now, I understand that uh, something that's very close to your heart is sustainability. Yes. So I, I'd like you to explain to us, first of all, how, are, how is the current setup of payment companies not sustainable? What's, what's the sustainability issue that they currently face? Yeah, I think in general it's about people first and companies are people. So when it comes to payment institutions, etc., uh, and I just read on Twitter someone saying that banks shouldn't focus on sustainability calculations, they should focus on being a bank. But what is banking? Banking is enabling you to have control of your financial life. Mm -hmm. And sustainable, when you add on the sustainability act aspect, you actually help you to lead a more sustainable life, which means that you will actually leave something behind that is better and more sustainable. So uh, how we look at it is that when you pay, you consume when you consume you emit mm -hmm. so so if we think about like an average fin uh, we em emit around 9.6 tons of co2 emissions a year and we should be down at three tons by 2030 mm -hmm. and down by uh, at one ton by 2050 and it's not about um, you know making sure that we don't buy stuff it's about buying stuff that are more sustainably uh, produced and i just launched a, a tip series on linkedin just because people just keep complaining that you, you know i can't impact my choices don't matter yes it matters like i uh, and i know in, in the end of the day it is the industrialized countries that emit 70 percent of the global emissions mm -hmm. so i mean it's our fault so let's fix it so for example personally I used to drive a fossil fuel driven car because I, I like nice cars. So uh, my emissions were two tons. So if you think about it, I should be down by uh, one ton by 2050 as a whole year. Just my car was producing that much of emissions. So I changed to a fully electric car. Mm -hmm. And then now, uh, and, I, and I understand that I have the possibility to now uh, also launch, uh, or like we, we put in geothermal heating to our house instead of district heat. And the funny thing is that now it's a good thing, not just for the environment, but also if you look at the economy currently, uh, oil prices oil going prices, up. Yeah electricity prices going up, etc. So that's what we wanted to, to enable our customers, bank, financial institution, merchants, to help their customers, meaning us, the people, buy more 
sustainable mm -hmm. because we as humans are lazy by nature in order for us to change behavior we need the dopamine kick the instant gratification mm -hmm. so the gamification aspect is a good thing to have so like if you have a bank app where you can see like this is how my my well, like 10 years ago we had this personal finance management tool like mm -hmm. you're spending you know on <laughs> i was about to say drugs but i meant like <laughs> <laughs> alcohol and food and uh, and then when you add on top of that what are you actually spending and then I get a lot of feedback. Yeah, but isn't it 100% correct? No, because there aren't 100% correct ways of measuring uh, emissions in all uh, in the whole life cycle. But it doesn't matter if it's close enough. It's like this, if you are overweight and you need to lose weight, does it really matter that you need to lose grams if you mm. need to lose kilos? Mm -hmm. And it's the same here. We're not talking about you know, reducing emissions by a little, we are talking about reducing them by a lot. Right. So doing a lot, but making them from small parts by small changes, uh, will, will, I, I think that that will have the impact that we need. Otherwise, in the end of the day, uh, the planet won't die. We as a humankind will. So it's, not, it's, it's, it's a life or death situation. Right, and I think that brings me nicely to my next question, which is, tell me about my carbon action. Yes. What is my carbon action and how is uh, Infuse using that to help customers yes. achieve all the things that you just mentioned? Yeah, so my carbon action, so when Enfuse was founded and, and uh, the five founders of us, uh, I, I always keep forgetting, but I think we have like 10 plus kids mm -hmm. among, among each other. And we're like, now we want to do something that actually has a, makes a difference and has an impact. And then we were part of the light, MasterCard Lighthouse program, and we're like, now let's walk the talk. Like sustainability is a core value, but what does it mean? It means that we take care of people, we we try to do the business in a way that it emits as as uh, little as possible, and and many other aspects. This was before COVID, so when when the focus was a bit more on the climate change, mm -hmm. and then it was like, how can we make an impact? And that's how my carbon action was born, so that we said that okay, what is our core business? Our core business is to enable payments, mm -hmm. and as I said, when you pay, you emit, and if you understand your emissions on each transaction, that's when you can start changing. So, for example, Enfuse will launch soon. Uh, in September, our own ESG report mm -hmm. about sustainability, because we are part of the Climate Pledge. And the reason why we went, in, went into the Climate Pledge was that the only way to fight greenwashing is to be transparent and to have someone to police you. Like the FSA is on payments, the, the Climate Pledge, for example. Mm -hmm. So what we did is that we took all the transactions we have, and there are different scopes. So it's scope one, what you emit when producing your services, etc. And then three, scope three, for example, when, when you travel. Uh, scope two, uh, like here in the, in the, where we are sitting, office, you know, what kind of electricity do we, do we have? So we took all that data and all, all, all that we use to do what we do, um, like being infused, and then we run it through my carbon action, which is a carbon footprint calculator. Mm -hmm. And then it comes out with a, a result. And then we can start seeing like, okay, where do we spend the most uh, money? Uh, how do we uh, transport ourselves? For example, how much, um, how, how does our employees commute to, to work, etc. And, and how can we as a company support that? 
And also we have targets on how to reduce emissions. And I think that that report will, is also something today that we see that investors are demanding. Because we also believe that a sustainable company is, is a company that does more good than harm. So that's how my carbon action comes in. So depending on who you are, like your company and what you want to do, you can add that calculator to enable your customers to build a sustainable loyalty program or whatever, just to help them. It's not about reducing the spend, amount of money spent. Mm -hmm. It's about spending the money in the right way. In the right way. Okay, so I, I just want to yep. go back to something you just said a second ago. You said when you pay, you emit. Yes. Is that associated with the things that you buy? Yes. Or with the direct action of processing if, that transaction? Yes, both. Right. So both. So if you think about what you buy, to get that, it has emitted a lot. So if you mm -hmm. buy a coffee that has been done, that you have like Oatly, for example, like almond milk or whatever, mm -hmm. instead of having uh, uh, cow milk, uh, the emission is different because it, it takes more to to produce cow mil uh, milk mm -hmm. uh, emissions than, than the soya milk, for example. But also the actual fact that you're paying it. So the actual thing, what are you paying with? Are you paying Apple Pay, Google Pay? Mm -hmm. uh, or are you paying with the plastic? Uh, what has that been? So it's actually the whole life cycle. So it, uh, what we wanted, and I think that's the difference between our calculator model is that ours is based on the lifestyle, so it takes more into consideration. Mm -hmm. And then there are different types of calculators. And in the end of the day, I salute everyone that is doing something, because we believe strongly that there is only two choices, or like one choice to make. Either you are part of the solution or part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And it's, in that sense, it's quite black and white. So right. try to do more good than harm. And I assume also that what you were mentioning at the very beginning, having that latency of infrastructure just available for the, the, yes. the spikes, also it's, it contributes towards uh, yes. carbon emissions. Yes, and that sort definitely. Of thing, right? So if I look at my business, our business at Enfuse, what we do is that we run uh, our loads, the capacity in AWS, mm -hmm. but we know where it is. So uh, currently we, we run in, in Europe, mm -hmm. mostly because of, of also the legislation, but we also run it in data centers provided by AWS that are run by renewable energy. Uh -huh. okay. so, yeah, so, the, so I think it's also about procurement. Mm. So you need to know what you're buying and you can change that. So if you know what you're buying and what the emissions are, then you can start changing it. And I remember 15 years ago or something like that, when I went to a shop here in Finland and I had this fair trade. Mm -hmm. You know, you had this one small part that was fair trade. And I'm like, ah, the hipsters, the weirdos buy from there. And then it became like, of course you buy there. I think the same will happen with this. Like now it's a new thing to understand the carbon footprint and mm -hmm. etc. But it's like with calories. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we need to lose weight, we need to stop emitting and we need to reduce the emissions already emitted mm -hmm. because otherwise we are in big trouble. Right, I guess it's the, making people to begin with aware of, of, of yes. the fact that they're contributing yes. that. Yes. Right, okay. Now uh, let's, let's, let's uh, switch gears a little bit. Yeah. Um, we've been following uh, MFUSE for quite a while and yeah. we're always very, uh, very, very happy and very, very pleased to hear that you establish partnerships everywhere. Yes. Uh, we see it on LinkedIn, and that's that's, re yes. that's really good news. Now, the question I have for you is that given the fact that you're such a uh, strong value-driven organization, mm -hmm. what would you consider to be the perfect partner for Enfuse? Perfect partner for Enfuse? I, uh, I believe that everything is about mindset. So I think from our side, the mindset is that the glass is always half full. Mm -hmm. 
So th the world is full of possibilities and there's a lot of things that we want to change for the better. So the, the sustainability, diversity, inclusion, really important. So I mean, like you have to walk the talk. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying the things that you think that you need to say, uh, just because you know that's what you think you need to do it will not work so we vet our partners very carefully uh, and uh, and uh, we have a partner team that that's what they do they, they work full-time with doing exactly that right. and, and finding win-wins so mm -hmm. I think that's that's the the key so uh, it, it, of course it's it is uh, there's a lot of criteria but in the end of the day it's about bringing something to the table, bringing something to the partnership. Because in the early days, we had a lot of, let's say, partner potential, people who wanted to partner with us. But what they actually wanted is to, either for us to sell their products mm -hmm. or, or for us to bring them customers. Mm -hmm. And that's not mm -hmm. a partnership. No, no, it's a, it's a research channel. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, now, let me ask you, um, what I, I, it's a, it's a, it's a two-pronged question. Yeah. What do your customers say about Infuse? And the second part is, what do your customers' customers say about the capabilities that you enable uh, them to have? Uh, good, good question. So, we have a very high NPS. So, uh, I think Memo Bank, uh, Jean Daniel, uh, the, the, the CEO and the founder, I like his, he, he really said that the no BS attitude, which means that we are here to help our customers succeed. Mm -hmm. So we will do whatever it takes. And, and I say to our customers also that sometimes and often it means that we will we will help you, we will we will how should carry you and we will kick you. Okay. So so we, we, because <laughs> we when we understand what success looks for you, uh, and when we understand it and we buy into it. Then because we know the tech and the compliance and the landscape, then we will help you succeed. But it means that we will also tell you, you know, if something isn't going as we as we think it should be, because we've seen a different kind of companies. Yeah. So I would say that our customers actually think of us as partners, right. like for real. Uh, and then, uh, and we have this structure also that we. We, when we have, of course, we have the SLA meetings and all that normal operative stuff. But we also have this that we have strategic meetings where we focus on their business mm -hmm. and how we can help them grow whatever it is that they want to achieve. You know, scale in different countries, add on new features, understand the pricing mechanisms, subscription models, etc. Uh, what does our customers' customers uh, say? Well, I am a customer, or many of my customers, so. It's awesome. Right. <laughs> no, no, but for but for example, I, I mean like on the expense management side, we use Pleo and Savoy. Uh, we have we work with Mint and Cred. So depending on what we need, uh, they have been able to do really good user experiences, and I don't take credit for that because that's their core business. But what I enable there is to do the intent issuing and, and that it's uptime is, is there. So the availability and flow works. And also that we are quite innovative. We like to we like to change the game. So we have one customer that will we is now in production but will do a bigger commercial launch. Well, since we sit on the full 
full capabilities of having the license, having the direct connections to most MasterCard and Visa, sitting on 3DS, we have the access control servers, we have the authorization and uh, 3D, everything means that we can actually do a lot of things. For example, Playo is really nice to pay because every time I pay e-com, uh, e when the merchant sends the transactions to be uh, 3D secured, mm -hmm. it comes to our access control server. So we initiate and it, we, we know that the session has already started. So then it just triggers in the Playo app uh, biometric and that's it. Okay. And so it's really smooth. So, so we really want to eliminate clicks, but always do it in a way that is strongly authenticated. Because I believe that security and usability are not in, complex, uh, in, in conflict. It's just shitty design mm. or people who don't know how it works. Right. Right. Okay. Um, let's talk about now one of the, the, the highest demands that we sound now in the market for transparency. Yes. Now, if I'm being a bit cynical, I think yep. that the, the industry has has been built on on lack of transparency yes. to to a certain extent, right? Yes. So I want to understand how is it infused uh, dealing with with this demand for transparency and enabling its customers to have a much more transparent customer experience. Uh, well, it's a it's a big question, but if I think a couple of steps back, banking in itself was always built on non-transparency because mm -hmm. banks don't even trust each other. <laughs> so open banking, PSD2, forcing banks to open up mm -hmm. was a nightmare for the banks. Mm -hmm. And that's why we can still see that there aren't very good use cases because there's still a lot of banks who are not ready with it, which means that there's a lot of screen scraping still going on, etc. Well, having said that, what we do is that we also, as part of our service, we have the capability to enable the access to the account and also do payment initiation. So the, the data is there. Also, our customers own their data, meaning that whatever they want to do with it, as long as it, it, it fulfills the GDPR and compliance requirements, mm -hmm. they are allowed to show their customers uh, whatever they decide to in real time. And I think that's the key, that it, it's, it is always real time, if they want to. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think that, that's from our perspective, but that's our core business is to, to handle data in a secure way, which also means that we have a lot of services uh, like view pin and view pan that are PCI DSS or everything we do is PCI DSS compliant, so compliant by the, the card standards and the security standards. But we make sure that our customers can utilize those kind of services without putting themselves in a scope. So that we have built tech in order to enable them to utilize the best of data but not to show data that isn't necessary. Mm -hmm. So we don't use any uh, full uh, primary account numbers or anything like that because there is no need. Mm -hmm. So we have built things in different ways and we can do tokenization and, 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 and so forth. So there's a lot of things that we can do. But also, of course, as a customer uh, or as a company ourselves, transparency is a lot about we really want to showcase our people, uh, the diversity we have, the, the work that we do to walk the talk mm -hmm. and yeah, I, and, and yeah, and I hope that that matters. Yeah. At least for us, uh, we see. I think we are now around 150 people. Okay. So, we we've we the past two three years we have received really good applications uh, from all over, and I think it's duly, mostly because of people want to be part 
of something that they feel strives to make a difference. Right. Right. Okay. Then just just to close, um, mm -hmm. tell us what's your vision for Infuse and what role do you expect it to play in the financial uh, ecosystem in the next five years? Yeah. Uh, when we founded the company, I said I want to be bigger and better than Google because if those guys could do it, so why couldn't we? Uh -huh. So like, of course, that doesn't change. Uh, often say also that if if aliens come in, because I mean, like we've been through COVID war, now a recession, what is next? Aliens? Yeah. <laughs> or ho for hopefully not the meteorite or whatever. Uh, so I, I would sell payment uh, services to aliens because if they want to buy something, at least they need to pay for it. But what if I look at Enfuse, I really want, in five years, I want us to be a global player. Mm -hmm. uh, not just the technical capability, but actually have a foothold. So we are now strengthening our presence in in Europe so our Nordics is of course our home market because we are born from here but we are a very European player so I want to be what Adian is on the acquiring side mm -hmm. I want to be on the issuing side right. so whenever you want to launch a card or payment method like you don't even have to ask anyone else you will right. come to interviews but, but let's, <laughs> yeah. so that that's what I, and then in the couple of next year let's see what the how the world goes now the upcoming winter will be tough, mm -hmm. like from a more norm normal person perspective and companies. Payment, I think the good thing from Enfuse side is that we do payments and uh, you know, you need to pay yeah. always. True. So, so I, we, as, and in COVID also, after the first shock, we grew during that year. So it was mm -hmm. like, ah, oh, what happened? And then contactless started surging. Right. So, so it's again, uh, from a company perspective, I see that we will continue growth. But we will focus on Europe and then uh, probably in a couple of years start uh, expanding east and west. Right. Um, just just another question off the cuff. Yeah. Uh, you have the technical infrastructure, you have the capabilities, yes. you have all the security yes. credentials, the license, yeah. the compliance. What stops you from moving to the front as well, to becoming like a... Issuer, like a bank, yeah. yeah. Well, in, te in theory, nothing. Having said that, I would be competing with my customers, and that would be stupid. Mm. So my like, when when we founded Mfuse, some I was actually offered a job to to be a CEO and build a neo bank, mm -hmm. and then I said, why do one when I can do many? So now I'm helping Play or Rocker, Memo Bank, Cred, Mint, mm -hmm. Airpay, Starcard. So like. I mean, like I'm doing many of those instead of doing one. And I think that's because I like doing things big and I learn much more. So kudos to those who are doing that because they are focused. Uh, but that's what I have Denise. So like if you look at me, Jing and Yang, I'm like, you know, the big vision person. Uh -huh. And she's like the concretizer. And then she will be like, OK, yeah, OK, nice morning. But now Europe. Stop talking about US, <laughs> Europe now this year. And that's why it works so well with the two of us. The, the co-CEO yes. structure. Yeah. Right. Well, Monica, uh, fascinating listening to you. Yep, thank you. And thank you for coming. Thank you very much for your time. We, uh, we can't wait to see you at Nordic Fintech. Yes, it's going to be interesting. It will be. Yes. Thank you very thank much. Thank you very much.